they want more grandchildren, okay? <laughs> now, the point of, uh, of what I'm going to say today is that none of us knew what was going to happen 30 years ago. And none of us know what's going to happen in the next 30 day, days. It's like uh, kind of driving through a fog. And have you ever been on an airplane and uh, you're flying above the clouds and the sun is shining down upon you and you look down and there's just clouds of fluffy white kind of wool down there and you're just gliding over the top of it. Well, uh, I, I think we've got to realize that as people, we're actually in the fog. We're not above it. That's where God is. We're actually going through the fog, and that's what this life is. It's really a journey through the fog. We're not sure what lies ahead of us. However, we do know that God is above the clouds, and he sees what lies in our future. The question is, how do we get through this fog safely and into the presence of God? And of course, we would say that we need to seek God's grace and presence in our lives. We do this when we repent and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. To do that, we have to admit our guilt and fling ourselves on the mercy of God um, with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our souls, with all of our strength. We must make a definite decision to trust in the Lord to save our souls. Once we've done that, that's when we follow where he leads. Let me try and illustrate this. In the, I heard a story about uh, a young woman. In the fall of the year, she decided that she was going to drive to uh, Whitehorse in the Yukon. And uh, it was a long time ago, so she was driving in one of those tiny Honda Civics, the original ones, not the nice ones now. And I remember I, used, I had a series of those little cars, uh, one after the other, uh, all used, but boy, they were good cars. And uh, so she's going on this long journey in this tiny car. And um, she stops at nights at hotels. And uh, of course she stopped before going up into the mountains of this particular hotel. She woke early the next morning and she uh, had an early breakfast, but she was concerned because a thick fog had fallen down over the, over the way. And uh, nevertheless, she was a brave young lady and so she thought she'd give it a try. Well, during breakfast, two truckers approached her and they asked her, is that your Honda Civic outside? And she admitted that it was. And they said, don't try to cross the mountains in this weather, it's very dangerous. But she was determined and she said, no, she's gonna give it a try. And the trucker said to her, well then, I guess we're gonna have to hug you. And she was shocked, she couldn't believe her ears and she was terrified. No, 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 said the trucker, I don't mean it like that. He said, my truck, is gonna drive in the front, um, my friend's truck is gonna drive behind, and in this way, we're gonna get you safely across the mountains. And so now, that young lady has to make a decision. Is she going to trust the truckers? They had made a gracious offer to her. Is she gonna accept or reject it? Well, she accepted the offer, she trusted in the word. Remember, we even sang about that, right? She, they, she trusted in the word. That's what faith is. It's trusting in the word of another, right? And all that foggy morning, she followed those red lights in front, 
and she had the assurance of the white lights behind her and they got her safely through those mountains. Now, <clears throat> we trust in Christ and then we travel through this foggy world. Uh, we don't know what lies ahead. We only know that it's a, a journey that's dangerous. And we also know as Christians that the Lord is hugging us. He goes before us and he is also our rear guard. Knowing we are under his protection uh, will assure us that we can get safely through the mountains and into that eternal world that he's promised to all who trust in his son. Now David, the King David that is, he, he, he's already there. He's already made the journey. He's gone through the fog and now he's in the, the presence of the Lord. So I thought it would be useful if we see how he traveled through the fog and maybe we can gain some tips for ourselves as we look at this. It's actually Psalm 26. So if you could look at Psalm 26, we're going to read the whole psalm, and it'll give us an idea of how we too can get safely through this life. So it's chapter 26, beginning at verse 1. <clears throat> Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind. For your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. I do not sit with men of falsehood, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I hate the assembly of evil doers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence, and go around your altar, O Lord, proclaiming thanksgiving aloud and telling all your wondrous deeds. O Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Do not sweep my soul away with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men, in whose hands are evil devices and in whose right hands are full of bribes. But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be gracious to me. My foot stands on level ground. In the great assembly, I will bless the Lord. Let's pray together as we begin our message. <clears throat> our great God and heavenly Father, may you grant your blessing upon us this day as we open your word and think about the way that we are to live in this world. We thank you so much for saving us from sin and then promising to travel with us until we safely arrive in your, in your eternal home. Help us now to focus on your word and use the means you provide to keep us close to you and safe from the things that would destroy us. We thank you, Lord, for all the many years that you've blessed both our churches, both Chinese Gospel Church and Agape Gospel Church. We look back in wonder for we see the great works that you've done among us, and we're so thankful that you could use us in, in that small way, but yet in a way that has blessed so many people continue to use us as we go into the future. We don't know what lies ahead, but Lord, we know that you will go with us, and so we trust in you with all of our hearts, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, then, so <clears throat> I think, first of all, to get uh, through the fog of this life, we need to pray a prayer, and the prayer is in verses 1 and 2. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind. 
So he wants the Lord to vindicate him, to examine him, to prove him, to try him, and to test his heart. We don't normally play, pray like that, do we? We normally pray, oh Lord, bless me and give me a good job and, and don't look too closely at my life or at my heart, right? Well, if we really want to walk well with the Lord, we must lay our lives and our hearts open before him so that he can examine them. He'll find the things that make us stumble and that will, might pull us out of the way. He is the best judge that we can call upon. You see, we tend to only judge our outward actions, not our hearts. But the Lord doesn't just look at our actions. He also examines our motives. And this he does to make us truly good. He begins with the heart, not with our hands. I think it was Cervantes, he was the... Uh, man who wrote uh, Don Quixote, the, the, the great, uh, great book, he said this, he said, your business is to know yourself, which is the most difficult lesson in the world. And it's true. We, we can't learn that lesson very clearly without the help of God. And that's because we tend to overlook our faults and we kind of emphasize or highlight our virtues. Therefore, we need the Lord's help if we're going to know ourselves because he is the one who can focus our attention on our hearts and see the problems that lie there and correct them. So to get through the fog, I think the first thing we've got to do, we've got to ask the Lord to shine a light on our own hearts. That's where the improvements begin. Now, as that happens, we'll see that, secondly, to get through the fog of this life, we need, to, we need a way to walk. And that's in integrity. He mentioned it already in verse 1. Vindicate me, O Lord. You see that? He mentions it again in verse 11. But as for me, I shall walk in my integrity. I think the first step to walking in integrity is to admit that we struggle to have any. Then we'll be ready to submit to the Lord and seek his way of integrity. And in order to do that, we need humility. You see, if we're not humble, we may do right, but for false motives, okay? And if we do right for false motives, then we'll end up being Pharisees rather than Christians. Only as we humble ourselves can we follow the Lord uprightly, because only then will we allow him to do that searching of our hearts to test our motives, not just our actions. When we enter heaven, we won't enter heaven with our heads held high. Rather, we'll limp in, giving all the glory to Christ for getting us there. Uh, but as Christians, we must try and limp in the best way we can. And we often see people, don't we, in, in, the, in the, road, the roadways, and they, uh, they have damaged legs. In fact, my wife and I, while we were driving here uh, down uh, Avenue Road, we saw a, uh, an older lady, and she was walking with her son, and uh, she, she was pushing one of those carts, but she was having struggle walking. She, she, she had, uh, I don't know, her leg was twisted, and so she was really struggling, but she was working very hard, and I thought that's how it usually is, isn't it? People who have damaged legs have to work a lot harder than, than we do in order to walk properly. Well, so with us. 
There's a sense in which we're all damaged people. We struggle to be people of integrity. So let's be humble enough to admit it and work all the harder to keep in the Lord's way. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> An older preacher said this. He said, there are only two safe places for the believer, the dust and heaven. And of the two, the dust is the safer. For the angels fell from heaven, but no one was ever known to fall from the dust. So we need to keep ourselves, our hearts in the dust, and then we'll be able to walk with true integrity the way that the Lord wants us to. Thirdly, I thought we can see here that there's a place for us to look, and that's to the steadfast love of the Lord. This is verse 3. For your steadfast love is ever before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. Notice that, ever before my eyes, right? That's, that's how we are to walk. This is how we are going to walk in integrity. It's the steadfast love of the Lord that convinces us that we are accepted by him. Because there's times we're going to doubt it. There's times we're going to doubt it. It's his loving kindness that we look to. Because if God is loving, then perhaps he can have mercy upon us when we fail, right? And uh, yes, David sure wants the Lord to examine his integrity, but he knows that he will fall short of the perfection that the Lord expects. So he isn't depending upon justice, but on love. And this should encourage us all. Though we try ever so hard to walk in a way pleasing to the Lord, we're going to stumble. But knowing we are accompanied by the loving kindness of God, like a loving mother, we, this will enable us to correct our fall and continue on the way for the Lord. As Psalm 23 tells us, right? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. It does not say, Surely holiness and justice shall follow me all the days of my life. I think that would be a bit scary for us, wouldn't it? No, it's because of what has happened upon Calvary that we know that we are loved by God. His loving kindness has been sh showered down upon us, his people. I saw uh, a, a news item a couple of weeks ago. It was one of those uh, cute videos and uh, it shows a driver, he, he stops on the highway uh, because he sees a tiny kitten on the shoulder. And he gets out of the car and he picks up the, the tiny kitten. And no sooner does he pick up the kitten than five other kittens the same size all came bounding out of the grass and mob him. They, it's, a great, it's a great video. If you get a chance, check it out and uh, you, you'll see it. It was so cute. It was so cute. And, and those kittens saw that man cared for their brother or their sister, I'm not sure which it was, and only then did they run to him for help. Well, so it is with us. We have seen that the Lord cares for others who trust in the cross of Jesus Christ, and this encourages us also to trust in his loving kindness and call upon him for help when we need it. Fourthly, to get through the fog of this life, there's a seat that we're going to have to avoid. This is verses 4 and 5. I do not sit with men of falsehood, nor do I consult with hypocrites. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. 
<clears throat> when we sit down in, uh, in the company of someone, we're really placing ourselves under their influence. And it's important, therefore, uh, that uh, we avoid sitting in bad company. Our mothers teach us this, don't they? We're from when we're little, little children, right? Don't play with that boy. He's no good. You've all, your mothers have all told you that, right? My mother used to tell me that all the time. Didn't listen to her and often got into trouble. But mothers know best, right? And for sure, the Lord knows best. What's true of children is especially true of adults. Adults do far more damage to each other than children ever do. So remember uh, the story of Peter. Remember Peter? He was uh, uh, in the wrong company, and uh, he was so intimidated by that company that when a young girl uh, asked him a simple question, he began to curse and he began to deny the Lord. He became very defensive, right? I'm very afraid. And that's a lesson for us. Uh, we must be careful of the places that we go and of the people that we associate with. And here's a tip. If the company you are in makes you afraid to admit that you are a Christian, then you sh probably shouldn't be in that company. David describes three kinds of people to avoid. He says, first, uh, they are men of falsehood. Uh, he means here men with no integrity, insincere people, and we would call them fakes, and uh, we have to keep clear of them. And he also mentions hypocrites, uh, people who, who may pretend to be good, right? At least with bad people, you know, right? You, you know you can keep clear of bad people because they make it very plain. But with hypocrites, it's very difficult because hypocrites tend to pretend to be good, and so we can get dragged into their company. But really, they're just actors. Uh, they say one thing and they do another. So try and keep clear of hypocrites as well. But he also mentions evildoers here. Uh, these are people who gather together to plot to do evil. Uh, and uh, I remember I learned this lesson in the Royal Navy before I was a Christian. Uh, uh, they put all, all of us teenagers. I was only 15 when I joined, and so I was a teenager in the Royal Navy. And they put all of us teenagers together. How foolish is that, right? And so, because we all got together, and what did we do? We didn't plot to do good. We plot, plotted to do mischief or evil. And we often got into big trouble uh, because we had no self-control. Now, the, the point being here is what the Bible tells us, that uh, we've got to be careful because the company that we are in tends to rub off on us. Uh, I think there's a verse that says bad, bad company ruins good morals or ruins good character. It's absolutely true. I remember the famous story of the scorpion and the turtle. You'll be familiar with that one. The scorpion couldn't swim. So he asked the turtle to carry him across the river. The turtle says, no way. You'll sting me and I'll drown. But the scorpion says, my dear turtle, if I sting you, you would die. But I would go down with you. Now, where's the logic in that? So the turtle, thinking about that, says, oh, okay, hop on. So the scorpion climbs on the back of the turtle, and the turtle starts to swim across the river. Well, because halfway across, the scorpion gives the turtle a mighty sting, and both of them begin to sink. And as they're sinking, the turtle says to the scorpion, he says, can I ask you something? You said there was no logic in stinging me. Why did you do it? 
And the drowning scorpion sadly said, it has nothing to do with logic. It's my nature. Just so, wicked people will act irrationally and destructively. They will follow their nature, and when they do, they will drag us down with them. Uh, we see this when marriages break down. People will destroy their own lives and they'll destroy their children's lives. And it will break our hearts and it will break their hearts as well. They just don't realize it. They're kind of caught in this trap and they've been sucked down and they can't get out of it. It's just awful to watch it happening. So be very careful of the relationships you make. The wicked are on the way down. Don't get dragged down with them. Avoid sitting with them. Fifthly, to get through the fog of this life, we need a place to wash. This is verse 6. I wash my hands in innocence and go around your altar, O Lord. Now, David um, draws attention here to the altar where the innocent blood of animals was sacrificed for sinners. As Christians, of course, we don't wash our, ourselves in our own innocency, but we do wash ourselves in the innocent blood of Christ. He, his innocence, amazingly, wipes away our guilt. And we see this idea hinted at in verse 11. Uh, there in verse 11, David talks about redeem me. You see that? Redeem me and be gracious to me. Uh, praise the Lord. That, that's the gospel in the Psalms, right? That's the gospel that we believe. That's, that's our hope. The God will redeem us and, and will be gracious to us. And indeed, that's the experience that we've had. Another story from John Wesley. He was traveling in the countryside and a highwayman held him up and said, your, the, your money or your life. And Wesley uh, gave over his money, smart man. And uh, he, he said then, just as the robber was leaving, he said, can I have a word with you just before you leave? He said, there may come a time when you're sorry for the way that you're living now. He said, so I just want you to remember one thing. And then he quoted the Bible. He says, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. Well, the story goes that years later, Wesley is preaching at another church and uh, a stranger comes up to him and he says, do you remember that time you were robbed? He said, well, I was the man who robbed you. And Wesley, of course, remembered. And he said, the man said, that verse that you quoted changed my life. He says, I became a Christian not long afterwards, and I gave up my sinful life, and I've been studying the word of God, and I've been going to church ever since. <clears throat> the highwayman washed away his guilt in the innocent blood of Jesus Christ, just as we all can do according to the Bible. Our altar is the cross of Christ, and there we receive cleansing from the innocence of another. In this way, we sinners can enter into the presence of God because we have borrowed our innocence, all right? That's the way justification works. Sixthly, to get through the fog of this life, we need a reason to sing. And uh, this is in verse 7. Proclaiming thanksgiving aloud and telling all your wondrous deeds. Uh, we see these works, and we've mentioned them already uh, from, from the experience of our own churches, but we see them in nature and we see them in scripture. 
we, we, te- you know, we tend to think when we read the story of David and Goliath, we tend to think that it was David who slew Goliath. But that's really not quite true. And David knows it, and that's why he's giving credit here to God. It wasn't his slingshot, and it wasn't his good aim that killed Goliath. No, it was God. God was the one who really did it. It was a work of God. Now, we should do the same. Anything good that we get in our lives, anything good that we can do, it's really the work of God. Uh, Our families, our health, our education, our home, our food, our countries, uh, these are really all the work of God's grace in our lives. And we should praise him for any good that we experience because really, we don't deserve any of it, right? Uh, Two goldfish were living in a fish tank. One goldfish was boasting of how strong he was. And the other asked him, he said, do you believe in God? And the goldfish says, no, I look after myself. And then he asked, do you believe in God? And the other said, of course I do. Who do you think feeds us every day? Are you as wise as that goldfish? Think of all the blessings that you get, especially here in Canada, right? It's amazing. Uh, Does it come from ourselves? Are we really so smart, so much smarter than other people? No, God in his great wisdom and mercy has placed us here on earth, here in Canada, and at this time, and he has not only given us Christ to save us, but he ensures that we have food and water every day. I was thinking about Myanmar. I don't know whether you read Laval's newsletter. It's terrible over there. We've got no idea how blessed we are. Fanny Cresby said this in one of her songs. She said that we should count our blessings, naming them one by one. In Canada, we can name them 10 by 10. We're such blessed people. And uh, if we do think, if we do think that uh, we ourselves are the ones who keep our hearts beating, then we should sing out our own praises of ourselves. But if it's the one who feeds the sparrows and clothes the flowers, who is the one who keeps our hearts beating, then we should be praising him because he deserves it. And for us that are saved, the greatest work of God, of course, is the work of redemption. It is the work of Christ uh, that we sing about constantly in church, and we should continue to sing about every week. Then seventhly, to get through the fog of this life, we need a place to love. And uh, this is verse 8. O Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. So this is God's house. This is what we should love. Now, David, of course, is referring here to the temple uh, where the Lord met with his people over the mercy seat. Now, we we meet with God in the church, uh, the place where his people gather together. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I among them. Uh, We don't come to church because we think that God is keeping score, and will zap us if we don't get enough church attendance. That's not why we're here. That's the way that religion works, but not the way that Christianity works. No, we meet together like this, not because we fear the punishment of God, but because we love God. That's why we're here. We love the Lord, and he assures us of his love when we meet together and, and praise him together reminding ourselves of the great things that he's done on our behalf. And when we meet with those uh, that love the Lord, of course, we avoid the company of those who hate him. This is 9 and 10. 
do not sweep my soul away with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men, in whose hands are evil devices and whose right hands are full of bribes. And this is kind of repeating the same idea we find in verses 4 and 5. And um, so it must be a, a pretty important point that David's trying to make. He's trying to warn us here. He's trying to warn us about the dangers that are all around us. We've got to be very careful. Again, there's a story about a parrot who escaped from his home, and he made friends with a flock of crows. And he was eating one day with his friends in the farmer's field, and the farmer fires his shotgun, and the parrot is hit. The farmer walks over, looks down at the parrot and says, what are you doing here? And the parrot says, bad company, sir, bad company. Now, there was a time when we ourselves were that bad company, okay? But the Lord found us somehow, and like the thief on the cross, we asked him to remember us, and now he does remember us. So, we are no longer that bad company any longer. We are now sinners who seek out good company, okay? This is very important that we do this. We avoid living in the way that we used to live before we knew the Lord. And we do that by seeking him in the presence of other people. They will encourage us and they will help us to do that because they love him just as we now love him. So for now, we love, so for now, we love to be in the house of the Lord because we are among other repentant people seeking to know our Lord more and more through his word, right? That's what we're here for. This is how we fellowship with the Lord, through his word. And finally, uh, to get through the fog of this life, we need, to, we need a place to stand, and this is verse uh, 11 and 12. But as for me, I will walk in my integrity, redeem me and be gracious to me, for my foot stands on level ground. In the great assembly, I will bless the Lord. We're, my wife and I, we, we started a I know a while back we, we started taking cruises and we really enjoyed them. Perhaps it was because I was in the Navy maybe, but we really enjoyed the cruises. But, you know, the deck is always moving. It, sometimes it doesn't feel like it because it's moving slowly. But uh, often they will make announcements and tell you people, people to be careful because there, there might be choppy weather coming. And I remember one of our friends actually broke her collarbone while on, on a cruise ship. Uh, but the psalmist here... He's telling us not to build our, our lives on a, on a cruise ship foundation. He wants us to build our lives on a solid foundation, the Lord, our God, no less. And in that way, we won't stumble. Uh, I was remembering um, Hurricane Andrew. Uh, it was just the 20-year the anniversary just uh, about a week ago. And uh, I remember that. And it struck the USA and 62 people were killed. And uh, it had over $26 billion in damage. And that was then, 20 years ago. So you can imagine what that would be now. But uh, I remember a story about one street where every house on the street was flattened except one. There was one house standing. So the reporter asked the owner of the house, why is only your house the survivor of the whole street? And the owner said, well, he said, I built my house according to the codes. They said that if I did that, it would withstand a hurricane. And sure enough, it did. Now, if we build our lives according to the codes of the word of God, 
God will hold us up and we will stand and not slip because we'll be on that foundation that never moves. And that's why we can take time like this to constantly be praising our Lord. So in conclusion, <clears throat> uh, I was talking uh, to someone uh, from China and they were telling me about the pollution problem in China. Uh, they said that the problem is that uh, the air is, is so dirty, but no one seems to care about it. No one's doing anything about it. And I tried to comfort him. I, I said, well, you know, when I was a child in England, uh, it was just the same. We used to heat our houses with, with coal. And uh, of course, the, the, the power stations were all coal-fired coal power stations. And so the whole country was covered in black soot. I mean, everything was covered in black soot. You could smell it. It was just, it was just awful. It would get in your lungs and everything. And uh, sometimes, uh, because of this, I think, we would get these thick fogs. And these thick fogs would kind of come down. And uh, I remember driving one day, and uh, this fog came down. And uh, you couldn't see anything. It was like driving through soup. So I had to, I literally opened the car door. I guess it's on this side. <laughs> I literally opened the car door, and I, ha I had to see where the white line was to see where I was on the road. It was that bad. And so what I would do, I, I was driving like this. I was driving along like this, trying to keep my eye on the white line and trying to make sure that there was nothing in front. And there was a whole string of cars following me along. It was so deadly. But I made it home because I kept my eye on that white line. Now, that is what God has done for us. Uh, this world is polluted by evil and by sin, and it's like a fog. It covers the whole world, and it covers our lives as well. We Christians are on our way to heaven because the Lord has saved us. But which way should we take? It's like driving through soup. Well, God has painted a white line for us, and we can follow that white line. It was painted by Jesus Christ. It begins at the cross, and from there, it leads through this world all the way into heaven. Now, David here shows us that line. It begins by asking the Lord to search our hearts. Only then uh, will we realize that we need his direction because uh, even at our best, our hearts are full of fog, right? He will then correct and guide us by the truth of his law so that we will live a life of integrity and honesty. We will do this because we've experienced his steadfast love, right? As we follow his direction, this will keep us innocent of many of the sins which destroy other people. You see, as a wise driver must drive according to the rules of the road, if he wants to drive successfully and safely, so we must live according to the law of love, the law of love, if we are to live fruitfully and successfully for the Lord. And then as we travel, God will protect us from the evils that afflict so many in our world. And so we can sing with thanksgiving to God for the wonderful works he does in our lives. Not just because he blesses us with many physical blessings. Uh, we know that those physical things can fail us in an instant. We see what's happening in Ukraine. All gone, right? But because his blessings are those of redemption. They are spiritual blessings that he's poured out upon us. And this is why we are so confident that we won't slip, as verse 
12 tells us about that solid foundation, right? We stand in the new covenant that Jesus suffered to establish for us. And this is why we love to constantly sing out our praises in the house of God among his people. And so despite the fog, we know where we're going. The Lord is before us and we're following his lights. And the Lord is behind us and his lights are following us. He's making sure we get safely over the mountains and into that eternal world. Praise the Lord for that. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father,